Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Indeed, and you can text 0868-104-106. Paperwise, the echo this morning uh, picks up on the chaos at Dunkettle. Even Harry Baby has got uh, T-shirts uh, claiming, uh, well, not claiming, um, just making the statement of how chaotic it's down there for drivers. So they're calling now uh, in the front of the echo, or at least uh, commuters are saying, that they just want it improved. How you go about it, they don't care. But calls for better signage, more information around the interchange and the North Ring Road. They're reporting huge tailbacks and delays, I suppose, even again this morning. I bet there are people listening to me who have been caught in it for a long, long time. Frustration uh, with understanding the new system at Dunkettle is causing all sorts of issues for commuters and motorists on a daily basis. I think that the TII are saying that it's a bedding-in process, that people will, will get it and sooner or later everything will be fine, will be can work out. Um, just how to get about done and that spaghetti junction. Others contacting me on this program are saying that it's down to drivers who don't know how to drive, uh, jump in lanes, skip in lanes. But uh, sometimes you you have to jump or to skip a lane because you find you're in the wrong damn one and you're not going to get to your destination unless you attempt, hopefully safely, to change, change lanes. But it's just chaotic. Yesterday morning we started with the latest fire down the Docklands and the latest fire at the RNH Hall buildings. Um, yesterday morning, um, the fire brigade were non-committal with me as to say it was intentional or not, but the Echo says this morning uh, that the fire brigade now are saying that the blaze was certainly uh, suspicious. Uh, so we had six units of the fire service down there attempting to and attending to and putting out the blaze. But interestingly, I was reading the Echo this morning, at the same time uh, as they were fighting the fire, the alarm also was raised after a woman went into the river at Bachelor's Key. And again, the Gardaí doing what the Gardaí do best. Uh, a Garda entered the water uh, and rescued the woman. Um, and then the fire service personnel came along and rendered assistance. So she was taken to the CUH. Yesterday morning on the air, I was talking with Charlie Clark, great guy, know him well, fabulous dad, uh, and also a great contributor down through the years to this program. He set up a petition to save the Marina Market. I think when we were talking to him, there was about eight or 9,000 people that signed it. I checked it last night and it had gone over 20,000 signatures to save the Marina Market, and it continues to grow. Owen English picks up on that in the uh, examiner this morning because the, I mean, I guess the message is, and Charlie is saying, we need to have this decision overturned immediately. Thanks, Kevin. He's just telling me in my ear now that the petition to save the marina market has now turned 23,000. And uh, if you're looking for uh, a way of actually clicking and signing the petition, check out my Twitter page because I have the link up there. I'll give it again a little later on this morning with 23,000. And in other, in other stories where where the public can make a difference and where people power really does work. Another example of that this morning is they're not going to take out nearly half the Mangala in the Douglas-Donnybrook area. Uh, they're not going to put uh, a flyover over it and take out half of the, of the woodland area. It's a story that broke yesterday. That part of Bus Connect isn't going to happen. It's another Owen English story in the Examiner this morning where he says that part of the plan for Bus Connect has been dropped. The proposal to run the road through the Mangala Woods in Douglas. Now, I don't know about all of the other proposals that are causing an awful lot of grief for people uh, where, you know, hundreds and hundreds of gardens will be compulsorily purchased. Hundreds and hundreds of trees uh, will also be chopped down and hundreds of on-street parking spaces will be taken out. 
but uh, we'll have to wait and see with regards to whether there's any U-turns there, if you'll pardon the pun. But certainly the Mangala ain't going to happen. Interestingly, with regards to parking, you go into town, and I go in quite quite regularly into because I'm going to the gym in with Tony Martin at lunchtimes and stuff. Uh, so a lot of the time I try and cycle if I can, if the weather's half decent. Sometimes I was using Q Park, but it turns out to be really, really expensive. So I've got the Park Magic, you know, the one you the app you have, and you can find parking on our streets. Hard enough to find it. And then when you do, it's like as if you've won the lotto or you just scratched three stars and you won a thousand euro. I literally came over Parliament Bridge yesterday, turned right, was driving down the mall and there in front of me on the right hand side was a space. I thought, nah, surely be to God, this has got to be for a truck. Nah, this has got to be a disabled spot. Nah, this has got to be for an electric car. Nah, it was just a real space. In I went. I couldn't believe my luck. I guess it's just all about timing. Uh, courts this morning, then, is a man who assaulted a member of Ungarda Shikona in an effort to prevent a drug search when he was living in Ballincollig, avoided jail, uh, got a two-year suspended sentence. Quite an interesting story because he went to live in Australia and New Zealand and only returned recently. But when he returned, Guardian Cork became aware of his return and he was arrested and charged with the assault. But in court, then, it was heard by the judge that he has uh, recently, well, he has uh, since the crime rehabilitated and gone on to get a responsible job and was back home living with his parents. That's probably a good idea. You know, I don't know how the guards would feel about that, a suspended sentence or the guard who was assaulted. But at least the guy hasn't gone from bad to worse and worse and worse and engaged in lots more criminality. I think everybody needs an opportunity to turn their lives around, don't you think? Text 0868104106. But this guy, this other guy got 18 months for harassing a guard, an East Cork man. He actually mounted a campaign of harassment against a member of Vanguardia Shikona. Liam Healan's court reports this morning are quite detailed. I wouldn't have time to go to all of it. But this guy actually went so far as to make false claims of sexual assault to the Garda Ombudsman against this guard. Can you imagine the life for this guard when all of this was going on, or indeed his family members. So Derek O'Mani from Middleton was before the court, got 18 months for this. He accused the guard of sexually assaulting people, of causing many young people to commit suicide. Uh, he even went so far as to send the guard uh, photographs of the guard's children, focusing on their groin area, and even made direct Facebook contact, contact with the Garda's wife and his two sisters caused all sorts of deep upset. Now, did apologize, was remorseful, wrote to the to the, the Garda and everything. But the life for that guard and indeed the family of the guard must have been horrific uh, for such a long time. So that was another one before the course. It's very interesting um, because the motor tax office is still closed to walk-ins. You want to go to the motor tax office, you have to have an appointment. I don't know why. I mean, we, we need to just move on now and this is would be another great step in moving on from COVID restrictions and the COVID world we, we lived in and have to live in to some extent. But um, there's an interesting one in the Echo today where Councillor John Healy is saying that there is a proportion of people over 60 that are not internet savvy and have difficulties in renewing their taxes or indeed, in this case, their motor tax. Uh, it's an excellent service. It works very well. So please reopen and let people go into the counter and renew their motor tax. Time is it's way overdue. And you know where we have an awful lot of hotels and guest houses now who are putting up uh, Ukrainian refugees? We hope that they're all Ukrainian refugees. Uh, the state currently has over 600 contact contracts now. 600 contracts the state is paying with hotels, B&Bs, guest accommodation businesses, to provide accommodation for Ukrainians fleeing Russian invasion and war. But apparently a lot of the hotels are still owed millions by the state. They're slow to pay. The Irish government are slow to pay their bills on time. 
If it were the rest of us, we'd be fined. We'd be getting red letters. But when it's the government, of course, they can drag their heels as much as they want. One hotel in Munster, according to the Mail this morning, is owed two million uh, having not received payments since it started accommodating refugees five months ago. Now, that in itself is a story that in five months of accommodating refugees, I don't know how many, a hotel can earn €2 million Euro from the state. So what's that telling you? So the hotels that are putting up the refugees are owed millions. Um, and then more and more people trying to light, heat and put food on the table dominates many of the papers this morning. The Star says that the number of households who can't afford to, just can't afford to heat their homes properly has doubled in the last year um, because heating and the cost of living has gone north as well. I mean, the cost of living hasn't doubled, but I can tell you, energy utility bills certainly have. And that's why the CSO stat this morning says that 900,000 people are now forced to go without basic necessities in Ireland, nearly a million. And of those, it's directly affecting 250,000 children. And when you drill into it then, what households are hurting most? Well, apparently households with one adult and children. Uh, So a single parent and children um, have the highest deprivation rate, followed by unemployed people and then followed by people who have illness and uh, disability. So the papers then uh, look at a story that we also looked at earlier in the week where Leo Varadkar was saying, if you want to go overseas and you think the grass is always greener, it's not. And it ain't a whole lot better than here in Ireland. It was a bizarre thing to say because on so many levels, it's just not true, particularly when you hear of young people who are immigrating to the likes of Australia. So the Independent did an interesting thing. They looked at 20-somethings around the world and they asked them what they thought about Leo Varadkar's comment that the grass is definitely not greener abroad. And they, of course, disagree. And they spoke with, uh, with Tony in Dubai. Um, they spoke, well, he, and he was quoted as saying, when I get homesick, I go on to daft.ie. I get such a shock, I'm not homesick anymore. <laughs> it's a great one-liner. Evan in Barcelona said, in your 20s, it doesn't make sense to live in Dublin or Ireland. Shauna, uh, Shauna um, who's in Berlin, said, I'm homesick but I can't move home, as in she's banished from her home. And then uh, Joe, who's out in Vancouver, Canada, I find myself thinking of home less and less because he's getting on with his life. And then there's a Kathleen over in the Netherlands said, it doesn't bother me. All my friends have moved away as well. So that's just a cross-section of those that went overseas. One person that's playing an absolute blinder at the World Cup is Roy Keane. And the star this morning say, unbending Roy is a real Qatar hero. And he's not afraid to hold back and, and tell people how he feels about everything and anything. And he's certainly, as he's getting older, he's not backing off. Sometimes you do. The older you get, the more... Uh, I'm, not, I'm saying that your, your confidence takes a, a whacking. But you become more susceptible, perhaps minding your P's and Q's or having a more balanced approach to life. Not Roy. He's still going head down and at 100 kilometers an hour. And I was watching one of the, one of the, I just was flicking through and wa- I wasn't actually watching the particular match, the Denmark-Tunisia match on ITV. But what I was doing was I was going to ITV to check and see if Roy was doing the punditry. Yeah, I mean, he's like, he's that magnetic. But he wasn't doing that game. It was a, I think it was a daytime game or something. But there was a pundit called Nadia Nadim. Um, she's an Afghan-born footballer and she was covering the Denmark-Tunisia match apparently and she was she was there one minute and then after full time when they went back for punditry the anchor on the ITV show said that um, Nadia had to leave us at short notice 
And I thought she got sick or something. I thought she was feeling unwell. But then I thought there might have been some kind of an emergency and I didn't think any more about it. And I read in the mail this morning that the reason that she had to leave was because she had just got news that her mother had been killed. Reportedly struck by a digger in Denmark where she lives, returning home from the gym. And I thought, my God, imagine getting that news anywhere at any time. Oh my God. But to get it in a different country, like she's in England, mother's killed in a tragic accident in Denmark. So that was the reason that she wasn't there uh, for the full-time punditry. But there's a lot of other, and it's very, very sad, an awful lot of other uh, World Cup stories, particularly to do with protests, whether it's, whether it's armbands or taking the knee. It's very interesting to see that the German players, every single one of them, and they're photographed in the star this morning, they placed their hands over their mouths during a team photo ahead of their game against Japan, uh, which I believe they went on then to lose, if I'm right, um, because the row over FIFA's threat of sanctions over the One Love, Ar- One Love armband continues. So players now are trying to find other ways to, in this case, silently protest the human rights record of Qatar. They all placed their hands over their mouths. And funnily enough, well, it's actually funny, it's more bizarre than anything else. FIFA apparently had to write to a Qatari police to tell them, listen, Qatari police, and and the upshot of it is now, Qatari police have been told, do not treat women as criminals if they report rape or sexual assault when they're at the World Cup. Because apparently the police do um, treat women who've been raped as criminals if they report rape. Um, FIFA also had to tell officers uh, that that pregnant women should not face any kind of accusations um, at the World Cup. And this is part of a bizarre memo from FIFA officials because in Qatar women are second class citizens there and they can be blamed or jailed if they're actually attacked they can be seen to be the criminal there's a big story breaking right around the world overnight and this is this phone fraud factory that's been taken out by police and the Irish Garda Shikana were involved in this they traced this phone fraud back to some 34 year old character living in the Docklands in London and they raided him You would not believe this guy's lifestyle. Um, When they went there, they seized a Lamborghini, Range Rover, Rolex watches and hundreds uh, of other users using the same technology as him have also been arrested. So more on that a little later on. I hope to have our own guard on a massive scale. Uh, It's just one of these big phone fraud factory frauds that has been hit where they're literally calling people pretending to be from banks or institutions where they're trying to get into your bank accounts or get your uh, get your data. And the papers also this morning on a lighthearted note are telling us, you know, Christmas is coming, uh, there will be turkeys, but it's time now if, for instance, you like to have Yorkshire pudding on the Christmas dinner. We do. I mean, I know a lot of people say it should only be uh, with uh, beef, but I think it works very well with, with turkey and ham as well. But the, the, you remember the one from Jaws, you're going to need a bigger boat. Um, well, what about you're going to need a bigger gravy boat? Because there's a mum in the UK, apparently, has, and it's enormous. I might try and uh, repost the actual photograph of her Yorkshire pudding. I don't know where she got an oven big enough to take the entire monster Yorkie. It's 23 inches by 21 inches. It's not the prettiest looking uh, Yorkshire pudding, you probably would handle it like like maybe naan bread, you know, you'd probably tear a piece off it. Don't know how it tastes, but the only problem with it is, 
you know where you can get the single ones and they're kind of like they've got the dip in the middle and you can put the gravy into the dip I love that I think that's fantastic you know the individual ones hers though is ginormous and the papers are also talking about things to do with Christmas and some of the traditional games are making a bit of a comeback like Lego board games and puzzles you know bikes, Barbies, footballs, the old Rubik's Cube apparently is becoming more of a, a popular choice this Christmas time. And I think all of those are good if it's getting the mind working. In fact, they're talking about this morning about uh, the, the first drug to prove the slow progression of Alzheimer's could well be available next year. It's a groundbreaker and could make all the difference to, to people with early uh, Alzheimer's or early onset dementia. But one final health matter, I just want to give a big shout out to a Cork-based healthcare, healthcare company and a research development company who's taken the lead in recognising women's needs uh, and they have introduced uh, a new policy in the workplace. This is Solvatrin Therapeutics in Cork. They've introduced women's well-being policy where female employees will get paid menstrual leave if their monthly period symptoms are so debilitating that they can't work, can't, can't concentrate or come to work. It's a company down in Little Island um, and the employees down there as well have free access to free feminine hygiene products in the workplace. What I'd like to know is that there are other companies doing this or is this a one-off? Is this a company down in Little Island that are heading the field on this? Um, if they are, well done to them. If there's more, I'd love to hear about them. And talking about core companies, there's a one called The Story Of. The Story Of. You can get further details about it online at thestoryof.io. It's three young Cork entrepreneurs who all met through UCC and they've come up with a new initiative where you can place a QR code, like a barcode, on a headstone of of a loved one. Um, And if somebody scans it then, because you've already written it up, they get the entire life story and history of the person who has died and is buried in that grave. I think it's novel. I'd love to chat with them later. I think it's a fantastic idea. It's a story that's picked up with it. Oh, in English in the examiner, wouldn't you know it? I actually, I actually think there's two or three on English, to be honest. The Neil Prendeville Show. Gold winner for interactive speech program at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Courts Red FM. Uh, just ahead of the break, we're stuck into calls in a few minutes' time. It's college Christmas today. It also happens to be Thanksgiving, and we all, I suppose, have something to be thankful for. But it is student college Christmas today. It happens on an annual basis. It did this time last year as well, Thursday, November 24th. So there's a lot of action for students on Leaside today. And early, early this morning, a large queue formed outside the Harp Bar in Balafihan just before 8 o'clock. It's the unofficial college Christmas Day begins today. What would the official college Christmas Day look like if this is the unofficial one? So traditionally, it sees the students hitting the pubs all day to celebrate the festive season before they break for exams. Um, so uh, I guess they get two bites of the cherry today and, and the real Christmas. There'll be many UCC students and I suppose also um, others as well besides them uh, will be heading to that. It's not an officially run UCC day. Uh, they, it was cancelled actually back in 2018 because of anti-social problems. Students spilling out of the pubs and onto the streets and what have you. But I think maybe we should look at this differently. Um, it's not as if they're racing up and down College Road, roaring and screaming, breaking bottles, tipping over bins, banging on people's doors. They're just getting together. Okay, you could be critical of the hour of the morning, but they're 20-somethings. I mean, what are you going to do? We were all like that. We all partied like crazy. Who of us couldn't look back at our past and say we were like, like Mahatma Gandhi? 
absolutely 100% without sin. I mean, give me a break on that, will you? Anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Edwin, good morning. Good morning, Nick. What are your thoughts, my man? Are you out in the area? I'm driving around at the moment. They're all queuing, enjoying themselves, being happy, no trouble, no nothing. And if it stays that way all day, leave them off. Would you think, Edwin? Need to have to enjoy themselves sometimes. They're only kids. <sighs> it's it's a t- and you know what? Weren't they denied enough of it over the last few years? Yeah, well, should they got nothing for the last two, three years, Neil? Yeah, they have to enjoy and, themselves. and also, if we all look back at our own lives, um, we certainly wouldn't be criticising anybody else, should we? Wouldn't. Yeah, sure. Nobody can cast anything about anybody, no, Neil. Not, but everything that's happened. I a hundred percent agree. As long as they mind themselves and mind each other, um, and that nobody gets hurt or nobody gets assaulted. You know, and nobody ends up and in A and E, and hopefully that would be the case. Neil, the students are grand. They don't go mugging people. They don't go robbing people. It's, That's all I can say. They do not know. They, they don't do nothing. It's true. And so, and, and how many of you? How, how many of you seen queuing? Well, in passing Flannery, there now there's about five hundred to a thousand. A thousand. Not about. I, I just close it off to it. I tell you. How are they going to get a thousand? How are they going to get a thousand into Flannery's, man? Neil, they'll probably get three hundred in. And if you go to the harp queue until seven o'clock, so it's, so the harp has the harp has the thing called a harp bar takeover. The harp uh, bar, the harp bar, pulled it off. The it's door. a fiver on the door. Uh, music starts from. You, you know, I have it here. I have it here. It's a fiver on the door. Music starts from half past ten this morning. Um, I imagine that they'll limit the number. So. Flannery's as well. So, how, would you think the other pubs then as well? Say, for instance, up on Bandon Road. Oh, but there are a few outside Chissy down and Animax, Box none of them are up until ten. Yeah, gotcha. So they're queuing because there'll be limited numbers. All right. Well, you've seen it all this morning. Fair play to you for getting in touch. Yeah, they're behaving anyway. All right, my man. Take care of yourself. Okay, and hope that they all mind each other and look after themselves. Absolutely, Neil, says the texter. I'm so happy you are so positive about the students. They deserve to chill out. I just passed them outside a pub by UCC. No trouble at all. I'm only waiting for the nuisances to start... Are the nuisances to start complaining. Leave them alone and enjoy themselves. You know what? I think so. I really do. Um, I think the problem may well be that they all stay, stay, stay safe later on today, tonight, this evening and tonight, and that they mind each other because if an awful lot of alcohol is consumed at that age, then, you know, you don't want anybody be, to be vulnerable. Clearly, nobody wants uh, antisocial behaviour and roaring and screaming and shouting and acting the maggot up around College Road and keeping people awake and banging doors and stuff like that. And hopefully that won't happen. But if it doesn't happen and the students manage to behave in that regard, then, like, what are you going to do? They're, they're young people. They've been denied enough for the last two or three years. This is what they do. I mean, if I were to look back at the years in my life, um, I would never, ever, ever be in a, a position to ever criticise anybody for anything. You need to look to yourself first. Anyway, text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818104106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go. Uh, Katie O'Sullivan joins me from... Uh, well, actually, she was living in Qatar for 10 years now, but uh, I think she's in Riyadh now in Saudi. Katie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. You guys got a, a public holiday, didn't you? A day off? Uh, yeah, we have a... Yeah, we've a long weekend because Saudi won the match. So we're hoping they win again now on Saturday against Poland and we'll stay off on Sunday. Right, which wasn't expected in the sense of beating Argentina. That must have come as a big shock. 
it was a major shock. It was even better to get the day off. <laughs> okay, hope you enjoyed your day off. But tell me, you lived in Qatar for 10 years, right? Yeah, I did. Absolutely fantastic place. Okay, and why, why would you say, okay, I'm quite, quite sure there are many positives to it, but tell us your experience. Why were you there? Um, being honest, I was just young. It was somewhere to go. Um, just finished college and they offered me a job teaching over there. So I went straight over. I think I was 22 at the time. And it was it was like living the J1 every day. Living the J1 dream every day. Yeah, like it, the problem with Qatar is that you have to remind yourself you're not on holiday, you actually live there. Yeah, yeah. Why do you have to do that? You have to behave differently, is it? No, it's because you do get carried away and think that you live on holidays. You notice your waistline's getting bigger. You're out the whole time. You kind of have to say, calm down now and stay in this weekend. But if you're out all the time and socialising is a bit of a, a no-no and alcohol and bars, where do you go to socialise? Where did you go? That's the misconception. Socialising, alcohol and bars are not a no-no. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Like You go out to brunches. There's You can't throw a stone there without hitting a bar. So I'm reading all these things in the Daily Mail. I had to walk seven miles to find a pint. Absolute rubbish. That's not the case over there at okay, all. Okay, okay. Because I, I, like, I thought if there was a bar, it had to be in a hotel and it had to be expats that you had to be either invited in there or stay in a room in the hotel, no? No. The only people that are not allowed into bars are Qatari women. And if you're wearing national dress, so if you're wearing the thobe, or the abaya, the black um, gown that the women wear, you're not allowed into a bar. They're the only two things stopping you okay. to get in. But isn't that bad news, though, that women will be treated like that? Um, yes and no. Um, as a woman who lived there for 10 years, I was treated amazingly well, better than it would have been at home. Uh, you get priority in queues, um, all the government stuff. You have your own separate area where you're just rushed to the top. Like I went in to get my driver's license 10 years ago. And I walked in and the police captain came out and greeted me straight away. And he cleared a whole area of men just so that I could sit down because there was a woman in there. And I, I was brought personally brought to everything, brought ahead of the queue to everyone. OK, but I could even pick up on that. I mean, why would you have get preferential treatment because you were a woman in a, in a place that was full of men? Uh, is, is, there a th- is there a threat or something? Is he implying that you weren't no, safe? Um, women, women are just held to a high standard there. Um, even we were taking our little one to the doctor and um, we were in a women and children's hospital and there was a queue of people to get stuff at the pharmacy and a Qatari man stood out of the queue he said no, 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 no make one queue for the ladies let them go first okay and they, you, you'd be in West- ladies hospital they should be going first you'd be in western dress would you? Uh, normal jeans and a t-shirt okay, yeah. okay where, 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 would you, you'd never get any grief or criticism for that? No, you wouldn't. You can go around in Qatar in your shorts and a T-shirt. Um, I wouldn't recommend going to the mall in a shorts and T-shirt because you'd be absolutely frozen. Right, because of the aircon, yeah. Other yeah. than that, it's it's not what people perceive it to be. Um, here in Saudi, yes, Saudi is a different kettle of fish. But is it tougher Qatar there? Is, it's not Doha. It's, um, you do have to cover in Saudi and you have to wear um, sleeves to your elbow. You have to wear long pants. Um, not because anybody will say anything it, it, they'll just look at you funny Yeah. if you asked me six years ago would I live in Saudi I would have said absolutely no but in the last three years Saudi has opened up no it's not like Qatar Qatar is very westernised very Americanized. it is 
it's more like home than anyone would actually think. Okay, but Saudi is different. But is it not? Is it not a hypocritical country? I mean, you you just described there how, how Qatari women who wear traditional Qatari Muslim dress aren't allowed to do things that you're allowed to do, but you're both of the same sex. Or is yes. it? Or is, um, is that not an issue for you? Um, for me, it's not an issue. But in terms of their religion, they're not supposed to drink anyway. And they're not supposed to be in bars. So, therefore, they're not allowed in. Yeah. You know, if you go to the alcohol shop as well, there's a, you have to be non-Muslim to buy alcohol in the store. But would there now, not be Muslim men in the pubs, check. though? There is, yeah. Okay. So they're also Muslims, aren't they? And, and uh, many might have been a strict Muslim, but, but yet still drinking in the pub. Yeah, that's true. That is a, a double standard, but where is there not a double standard with women across the world? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you, you are aware as well that, I, I don't know, when you were in Qatar, did you know any gay people? Yeah, um, being perfectly honest, I met more people who would be part of the LGBTQ community in Qatar than I did anywhere else in the world. Right. Okay. And they're openly gay. Would they... People that would be afraid to come out in Ireland are openly gay in Qatar. Okay. No, it's important to hear this because and you lived there for 10 years. So thank you for that. But would, would, two, would a gay couple walk down the streets holding hands, for instance, in Doha? Yeah. Um, you'd be surprised at the amount of men. So it's part of their culture to hold hands. So you, you don't look any different. Oh, right. Okay. So that would not be untoward. But so you'll, you'll see Arab men, they come up to say hello to each other and they... They kiss with their noses. They do a little Eskimo kiss. And then they kiss on each cheek. That's, but that's traditional. So but, if you, if you, but, but if anybody showed any kind of st- gay um, affection, um, you know, or were openly gay or claimed to, in public to be gay or made it known officially that they were gay, would they not be arrested? No. There's no one who has ever been arrested in my time in Qatar for being gay. Um, as far as I know, nobody has actually been punished for being gay in Qatar. Okay, so it's an unenforced law. It's an unenforced law, it is, yeah. But again, if you think back to Ireland, not so many years ago, weren't we the same? Yeah, but we're not any, we're not anymore. And, uh, you know, we weren't looking to host a, a World Cup like Qatar. I don't know whether they bought the World Cup or there was bribes or whatever they have it anyway. Um, with an awful lot of international criticism because the way they treat women, the way they treat gay people, their human rights record. With, what about all the migrant workers who died building the hotels and the stadiums? So the Guardian numbers on that are six and a half thousand, but the UN numbers are actually about 15,000. Um, what I can say to that is that if people are following the law, they're supposed to house them, they're supposed to feed them and have a whole other health care, a whole other range of stuff. Um, not going to, you know, defend um, human rights issues, you know, uh, not adhering to human rights issues. But Because they don't. A lot of the issue, well, they don't. But a lot of the issue is that is that the migrant workers that come in aren't given the relevant safety training. So that is the biggest issue. It's the safety training. It's um, following rules and procedures, and then people have accidents and they die. Yeah. Well. And then it's trying. The, what, what I can see from living there for ten years is the oh no, quick, brush it over, try cover it up. That's the problem. 
not the fact that it's actually happening. It's the cover-up. It, it was a form of slave labour. They were paid tiny money, worked to the bone in heat and conditions that just weren't tolerable for anybody. And they died. Some of them died of heat stroke, sunstroke. Some of them died of lung failure, things like that. It was awful. Um, I have read those Guardian reports as well. Um, I have also seen the villages that they live in. Um, and I have seen the other side of it. I've seen the villages they come from yeah. in India, in Nepal. The conditions that they're living in Qatar. Now, would I want it myself? No. Um, do I think it's right? No. But it is better than what they've come out of in India, in Nepal. Mm. And when you see, when you go back to Nepal and places like that, and you see what the money that they have earned in Qatar has done for them and their families when they eventually do go Not back. if they pay an it's ultimate amazing. price with their life, whether it is 6,500 or 15,000, they're dead. Yeah, granted. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, there's still people lining up to come over and do it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there, uh, okay, these, so, these men do have free will. Okay, but so you, so you would accept that there are downsides and there are criticisms of the regime that they do have questions to answer. Um, but oh, they have a lot of questions to answer. But because you know, you know, you know that that's about because, forty years old. Oh well, well, that doesn't make it right. If they looked at how the rest of the world do things, they might treat women a bit more respectfully than saying that if they are raped, you will be raped and then prosecuted as a criminal yourself. Neil, that one is a bit of a grey area, and it's not entirely true. Um people will be prosecuted in Qatar as in the the man the corp or whatever you'd call him will be prosecuted and generally speaking the woman won't mm. embassies will be involved as well and there'll be all sorts of protections put in place uh, that's not what I'm hearing though I'm hearing that women who but do have you gone well, and experienced it Neil? no I haven't but you ha- and that's why it's important to talk to you you see I'm only getting what I'm only I'm, I only know what I'm reading and what I'm hearing I've never been there in fact, the, the impression that I get of Qatar, or indeed Dubai for that matter, they would be the last places I would ever want to go, you know? Well, Neil, as someone who's been there for 10 years, I'd recommend it to any young person to go over there for a few years because it's an absolutely fantastic life. Okay, okay. And, and, and good money to be made as well, I'm told. If you're somebody like you who went over and taught there, because I know of others have gone there to teach as well, it's hard to spend your own money. So you save an awful lot, don't you? You do save an awful lot, but you can spend it traveling very easily. Yeah. You could head off to Thailand for a month. You could, you know, we traveled an awful lot when we were living there. Yeah. You haven't hit, you haven't hit the Cork bar when you were there. Where is a woman called Ronnie Griffin from Cork? Has the, uh, she's the only female pub owner in Qatar. Do you know it? It's a pub called the Irish Pub. D-Irish is in D-E-Irish. Uh, I think it originally was that. I think she changed it, but that's the pub, though. Yeah, yeah. We've been there a few times. Uh, I hear that she's got um, an incredible uh, lamb chop, I'm told, amongst other things, including, what is it, a 15 euro pint of stout, is it? I haven't actually been there for the food, but we have had a few drinks there. All right, okay. All right, well, listen, good to catch up with you. Look after yourself now in Rehad. um, And uh, you're obviously watching the World Cup and supporting Saudi, right? Well, if it gets me another day off, I will. (laughs) Okay. Stay in touch, Katie. Thank you for being open and honest. Lovely chatting okay, with thanks, you. Neil. Take care. Back okay, after the bye-bye. break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. Our own Tony O'Donoghue, RT soccer correspondent, was out in Qatar. He's back now and joins me by phone. Tony, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. How are nice you? Nice one, kid. Thanks for taking the call. You didn't hear a while ago, Katie O'Sullivan lived in Qatar. Corker lived in Qatar for 10 years. She says that the media's interpretation of Qatar and Doha is by and large inaccurate and incorrect. What was your, what were your impressions? It was a fascinating place, I have to say. It's, um, the, the contrast between the old and, and the modern, like I've been speaking to Irish people there who have a good life, there's no question about that. No taxation, good salaries, nice places to live. But before we went out, and in order to get our entry visa uh, from, it's the HAYA permit, they call it, H-A-Y-Y-A, uh, you had to agree to what were severe enough restrictions. You couldn't film in uh, in people's homes or in residential areas. You couldn't film outdoors, uh, government facilities, etc., etc. You were stopped at one stage, weren't you, Tony? Didn't they interrupt you? Yeah, we were outside the, um, the the stadium 974, they call it. That's the one that's built from, uh, from containers and it's going to be dismantled. You know, that's part of their environmentally friendly sort of uh, target. It's going to be dismantled after the World Cup and it's going to be reassembled somewhere else in the world. And so as part of an environmental angle, we were looking to do a piece of camera outside there. And um, I'm afraid that the local police did come up and were looking for permits and wanted us to stop filming immediately. Now... I put that down to just lack of communication from FIFA and the local organising committee, which, by the way, they call the Supreme Committee for Delivery and Legacy, which is a bit of a mouthful. But I, I, I put it down to that. I know there was a Danish journalist he was. that was stopped and yeah. they, they were threatening to, to, to smash his camera. But I, I just think there is a kind of a paranoia inherent in the society there yeah. uh, among the locals. And, and, and I feel that they, they will kind of be suspicious of what you might be doing. I think that's the, that's the culture. But in the case of where we were stopped, we tried to explain, look, we have the FIFA accreditation. There had to be supplementary host country accreditation as well. And all we were doing was, you know, taking a picture of, of, the, of the stadium that's environmentally friendly, which would have given, a, I guess, a, a good sign to the world of, of Qatar's interest in, in, in trying to, to do the right thing. Because obviously, you know, with the, the plight of the migrant workers and, and, and so much of, of controversy around the hosting of the tournament, the awarding of the tournament to Qatar in the first place, uh, you know, it, it, it's full of controversy. So you're we you're aware that Roy has said, and come out on television yesterday, says it shouldn't be there. And for just the reasons that you've outlined there, he, he said that. Would you, would you go along with him? Well, you can't get away from the fact that on the same day in December 2010, FIFA awarded the 2018 World Cup to Russia and the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. And when it was awarded, it was meant to be a summer World Cup. And the first day that I got there, it was the first morning, the, the, the morning after the, the night I got there, to be out in temperatures of 33 or 34 degrees. I'll give you another example. We had arranged to meet some Irish people, uh, Kerryman Barry O'Sullivan, a Corkman Ken Allen, and a Dubliner Andrew Fallon. And they were going to meet us. Again, we couldn't go to their house because we were concerned that the permit wouldn't allow us to go to their compound, go to their, a residential area. And... Uh, and not knowing Doha at all, having never been there before, um, we arranged eventually to meet them in the Bellagio shopping centre, which is like the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Mm. It's incredible. The roof, you go into it, and it, it is cold in there, by the way. I mm. been really hot outside, but the roof is complete, kind of like a screen, and it's a huge area, and it, it looks like blue skies and some gentle clouds floating. And you don't know if it's morning, noon, or night when you're in there. Mm. Uh, but we were going in to try and meet these guys, 
and the security, uh, when they saw the camera, my cameraman Owen Corcoran, they wouldn't let him in. And again, looking for permits and passes and, and whatever. That sort of paranoia, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's kind of emblematic of the, the type of society that it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- we could talk all day about the actual soccer aspect of it, but how are the fans getting on? Are they managing to socialize? Are they under curfew? How's that working out for them? It's it's different. Uh, there's a place called the Souk, which is near the one of the mosques, and um, you know you, you don't w- walk around and see uh, bars, obviously, or or kind of restaurants e- easily got. Um, I saw the Argentina fans, and this was before they were beaten by Saudi Arabia. Uh, they were the most kind of obvious in their colours, uh, huge Messi and Maradona uh, flags, and it's great colour, great excitement, great noise. Um, and there are different, that, that's the beauty of the World Cup. There are different cultures and nationalities. We, we shouldn't see everything through a, a Western prism, through a, a Northern Hemisphere prism. You know, I, I saw more people from, from India, Pakistan, Nepal, and, and not, not migrant workers. They're there to be uh, supporters. Mm. They're there to enjoy the first ever Asian World Cup. Mm. And a lot of the people I met were very proud of the fact um, that... It's it's his first World Cup in the Far East, the first Arab World Cup, if you like. And if it's to be genuinely a World Cup, maybe you do have to do things that don't appeal to European soccer leagues, like move it from the the winter, move it from the summer rather to mm. the winter. Mm. You know that 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 puts out you know the Premier League, the Champions League, but there's there's other countries in the world, and I mean that's that's worth uh, considering as well. But I met a uh, funnily enough an Irish educated. Um, Qatari. His name is Hamad Almari. He's he's the MC at the at the fan parks. He's a a comedian, um, but he actually has an Irish accent. And he was saying how proud people are um, that they're now part of the narrative. Now there's other reasons Qatar want to be part of the narrative. I mean, if you look back at the history, they could have been invaded by Kuwait or Saudi Arabia. They they wanted to position themselves in a geopolitical sense to be more visible to the world. Yeah. They've got huge national natural resources. They're a very wealthy country, but they could be taken over because they're such a small country. So they But if they know, want to be embraced watching, by the rest of the world, they need to clean their act up with human rights and how they regard women and people of the gay community. And that's the glaring things that need correcting, right? You just, I mean, absolutely. There's, there's no question about that. And I think fundamentally the the amount of, whether the figures are disputed or not the amount of migrant workers that lost their lives in the building of the infrastructure now I, I say Qatar is a small country but Doha feels like a big city and it, you know you, you, we were staying near the Corniche and looking across from the Corniche to West Bay and it's like Manhattan you know you've got these tower blocks they're beautiful architecture and they're all side by side with huge football emblems uh, running right down the, 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 the height of the buildings. Um, it's incredible how much they spend. I mean, it's estimated at $220 billion. What will they do with that $220 billion worth of sports um, buildings and stadiums when the World Cup is over? They, they don't really that's, play, that's, do they? We could see that on the, on the pitch. Well, they're Asian champions. They weren't very good in their first game. Um, but they don't have, I mean, seven new stadia one of which will be dismantled and, and, and shipped off somewhere. But, you know, if you go out to the, the stadiums that are a little bit far out, they've got the, the, the architecture of the stadium, the stadium footprint with tarmac, and then it's desert, then it's sand. And, you know... I, and I they're, and they're air-conditioned, aren't they? I mean, they're of they're, they're <laughs> carbon footprint and the amount of energy to generate. How it's can you even air-condition an open stadium? 
well, they've managed it within the stadiums, but you know, to get to the stadium, you're you know, you're in the open air, and as I say, the temperatures can be really hot. But inside the stadiums, I did a, a pitch side piece with Ray Houghton and uh, Noel Mooney, who's the CEO of, of Wales, and we're down by the corner flag, and it's freezing. It's actually really cold. The fans are complaining it's too cold. Just just one or two things in the actual game, and, and I'll let you go because I know I'm over time. What is this with all this extra injury time that's being played? It's not un, uncommon for five, six, seven, eight minutes to be played. And you're watching the match saying, where are they getting all this extra time from? There was 14 minutes at one game and, and, and more. I think there's been a directive uh, from FIFA and the referees, uh, something that hasn't really been done before. But when a goal is scored, it's a beautiful moment. It's, you know, it, it's what makes the joy. Uh, but when a goal is scored, the celebrations can often take a minute, a minute and a half. And traditionally, that hasn't been added on. You know, when a player has been substituted, recently they've kind of decided 30 seconds per substitution is added on. But it can take a lot longer. All oh, right, so counting everything. Now. So with They're the Spain, with the Spain game now, like with seven goals or some of the, some of them can be yeah, big scoring. Yeah, and if you, if you add seven celebrations of a minute and a half each, <laughs> they weren't all that long. But you know, right. and so what would be more better, more convenient, or, or, or would be more illustrative to the viewer of, of what's going on is if the clock was stopped and started again, as happens in other sports, and you'd know exactly how much was to go on. But they are you know, clamping down on this and we're seeing uh, every single minute that we should be seeing. Right. Messing up um, TV schedules, by the way, because when you're supposed <laughs> to have commercial breaks to go to or whatever, and suddenly the program you thought was going to be, not, the game you thought was going to be 90 minutes long, yes. it's suddenly an hour and a half and, and plus 20. Just just absolutely finally, who are you fancying for the for the World Cup win? Ooh, I, I started off hoping that Argentina were going to win it because Messi is the best player I've personally seen in the flesh. He's a, a, a joy and then for them to be beaten, uh, shocked really, in their very first game. Um, how well will this go down, Neil? I think England could go all the way. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> all the way to the final and then get beaten, is it? <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Tony. Nice one. Good to chat. Look after yourself. Thanks for taking the Take call. Care, Neil. All Cheers. the best. Tony O'Donoghue, RT soccer correspondent. <laughs> Uh, your thoughts are welcome. Sto eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after ten. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. Zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. Lots of calls and texts and emails to get through between now and midday. Your thoughts are welcome. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Was mentioning in the newspapers uh, earlier on this morning of an international fraud factory that's been rumbled by uh, police all over uh, Europe. Uh, I was reading about it this morning uh, and the Irish Guard and Chicago were involved in it as well. Uh, by all accounts, this is an online fraud factory, right? I, I believe it's like fraudsters and scammers uh, would take a subscription out uh, to, this, to this website and that, that, would, that would provide them then with technology uh, and other software they need to fool people into thinking that they were banks or that they were calling from utilities companies looking for your bank account details. And they're really and truly harvesting so much money from unassuming members of the public. Uh, but that's the backstory to it. The uh, actual site was taken down. Even in the Times this morning, they were saying that this scam, allegedly masterminded by a 34-year-old man living in a luxury waterfront flat in the Docklands of London. And when they went in there, uh, and arrested this guy, you wouldn't believe the lavish lifestyle that he was living. Uh, they seized a Lamborghini and a Range Rover, Rolex watches and lots more like that. And this is happening right across Europe where tens of millions every year, it probably runs to billions, have been taken from the unassuming public 
in cybercrime. But there is a Garda Shikona attachment to this because they were front and centre in it also. And Garda Mel Smith is the Detective Inspector of the Economic Crime Bureau of the Garda Shikona in Ireland and joins me by phone. Mel, good morning. Good morning, Liz. In, lay, in layperson's terms, explain what was going on uh, and, and, and what happened next. Well, uh, this was a website. It's called iSpoof.cc. And so the website is the front, if, if you want to put it that way, like, like a shop front. But behind the website, there was a server. It's like the computer hardware where um, data is held and where you can provide services. So this website and the administrator were providing a, a, a service to fraudsters. But those, those fraudsters would pay him by cryptocurrency, and he made about €4 million Euros or pounds from this fraud. They would pay him to provide them with a service, but they would make a call to victims of fraud and pretend to be from maybe a government agency, a guard station, a police station, or from, crucially, from a bank a fraud line. And the way it would actually work is that you might get a text and you would click on a link in the text and say you get through to your bank site. This would be a fake site, but it would prompt you to enter your login details. So as you log into your detail, log into your log in your details. The fraudster is actually recording those login uh, security information. So he or she in turn will log into your account, and they will now see the balances in your account and how much money you have. And if you have no money, they'll have no interest. But if you have plenty of money or even a few thousand euros, that will be um, a, a target for them. They then make a call. Uh, now, to, 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 in order to take money from your account, they need to add in a payee to the account. And to do that, they need a one-time security code because you can't just add it willy-nilly. Mm. So to get that code, they actually ring the account holder and I call the account holder the victim from now on. Mm. So the account holder gets a call from what appears to be the bank fraud line. And the fraudster will actually even, might even say to them, just check the number. If, you're not, if you don't trust me, uh, check the number there and you'll see that it comes up as uh, AIB or KBC or uh, Bank of Ireland fraud line. And the customers will often do that, and they'll be reassured. The next thing they'll, they'll say is they'll say to the customer, you know, we see there that you were in super value uh, yesterday and you spent €20.59. Euros and, 59 cents. and the customer will say, oh, yeah, I did, and that you spent €200 Euros somewhere else the day before. So the customer now feels reassured. They have a phone call from the bank fraud line, to have evidence that the, this person knows about their transactions. It's a fraudster, but they don't know that. Yeah. And uh, then the fraudster says, but what about this 5,000 transfer from your account to such and such a person? The account holder immediately becomes alarmed. And it's like a call to action, and it, it, it uh, prompts them to, to maybe to stop thinking. Um, and they, it's a bit of social engineering, as we call it. But the fraudster will have a well-prepared script appropriate to each bank, because each bank has different systems and different expressions and different names to call their accountant. They will have a script for each bank. So they will then say, we're going to now protect your account to make sure no money is stolen from your account. All we need you to do is send me, uh, we're going to send you a one-time passcode, a security code. And when you get that, just read out the numbers to you and I'll make sure I protect your account. So that's the instruction. In the meantime, they try to add a PE uh, uh, to the account. And as they add that PE, the bank, the real banking system, because don't forget, they've logged into your account. The real banking system sends out the security code yeah. to the victim's phone. 
and the victim then looks at it and they, they're talking, they think they're talking to the bank. They see this code coming through, the, through to their phone and they, it's a six-digit number and they call out that six-digit number to the fraudster. The fraudster adds it into the bank, the pay is added and then they then proceed to steal all your money. It's, it's as simple and as complicated as that. But the level of which this is happening internationally is alarming, isn't it? They're talking about 10 million fraudulent calls made globally, annually. Yeah. The, there was Via iSpoof alone. Yeah, this, there was 21,000 users of this website. That and means that 21,000 fraudsters were engaging with it. Correct, correct. And they were making phone calls and committing fraudulent offences uh, all over the world, uh, including in Ireland. And uh, Irish uh, residents, Irish citizens, uh, targeting Irish uh, victims. How was fraud. Ice Booth taken down, Mel? Um, it was identified uh, through um, police activities by the London Metropolitan Police. Um, they then got in touch with uh, the US authorities and the Ukrainian authorities because the actual physical server was based in Ukraine. Um, and there was actually copy taken off the server. So for the fraudsters in Ireland that are listening, um, we will get the data from, from that server. And we did get some data. And we didn't get names and addresses, but we got enough information that allowed us to make very extensive inquiries and investigations to identify the names and addresses of, of fraudsters in Ireland. So every so, single police service all over the world now has the information that they need to take down the fraudsters. Well, the, fraud, the site is taken down Yes, already. but those that were paying subscriptions to it. Yeah, not yet. Now we're going after the actual fraudsters that benefited that used the service. And we carried out 18 searches um, the week before last, on the 8th and 9th of November, all of whom we suspect to be engaged in this type of fraud. Um, and we seized um, over 130 devices. It was actually across uh, nine guarded districts, and we very much appreciate their assistance and also the assistance of the Garda National Cyber Crime Bureau. But 120, 130 guards were involved in the operation over two days. And uh, we made six arrests, and we intend to make more arrests in the coming months and years, because this is going to be a very, very extensive yeah. investigation. But if they know that the game is up, won't they leg it? Um, they might. Um, but uh, uh, oftentimes... Um, but we know who they are, uh, and we will find them eventually. Yeah, so you're coming for them. Let that be the yeah. message that gets out there. We definitely are. Yeah, yeah. And do they profile people who might be more gullible? I don't mean to be uh, offensive to people of particular age, but do they know who they're calling in advance as a soft touch? And um, No, they know the bank account. There is what you call social engineering, where they will engage with people um, and they'll have a script and... They do kind of get to know people, but it could be it could be any age, um, any any group. No, just not necessarily because all they have to go on initially is um, a bank account, and they yeah. won't know anything about the, about their uh, their victims. And is it true that they can buy on the dark web stolen bank account numbers and details? Yes, um, they can buy a, a, a payment card. If your if your payment card is compromised, we see that those cards are sold for ten to fifteen euros on the darkness or on some uh, messaging apps such as uh, Telegram. It's very common to see cards being sold. And they will then use those card details, like your, your 16 digits, your CVC number, and your expiry date, to try and make a purchase online, uh, online fraud. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, again, in Europe and in Ireland, most banks 
insist that their payment and businesses should do the same as well, that their payment services require that when you make a purchase online, you'll have to enter a one-time code. And that really restricts the ability of a fraudster to use your card to make an online purchase because they need that code. They need the code, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the code is usually sent to your telephone. And so they don't have that when they sell it online. But there is, say, jurisdictions where they don't insist on that level of security. I mean, this was a big player, Icebooth, right? But do you not think that you close one down and another one opens, that there are others just as bad as it? Um, this is a major one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, there is, it is going to happen again. Um, someone else will fill the gap. But um, this is a major blow to uh, what we call mission and vision fraud. So that's fraud using text and fraud using voice over, over communication yeah. networks like telephones. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a major blow to a fraudsters. Um, worldwide and in Ireland and the UK and across Europe. But the money will not be coming back though from the fraudsters. That, that's that gone. As I was reading in the Times this morning that, uh, okay, they get their subscriptions and they're off and running in their criminal activity but they can get anything. They were quoting in the Times this morning, one victim was fleeced of three million pounds. The average loss was about ten grand though. Substantial amounts of money. Yeah, 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 tens of thousands. Whatever, whatever's in your bank account that they can take out, um, they will take it out, and they will take everything that they can. Um, ultimately, you know, fraudsters, uh, as they're investigators, we will be looking at their assets. Uh, so it depends on what assets you can identify and then try and seize those as part of the judicial process. Okay, okay, we're up to date so far, but there's more to come, says you. Thanks for taking the call, Mel, appreciate it. Thank Congratulations on the international effort regarding this. Garda Mel Smith and the uh, economic, sorry, it's the Economic Crime Bureau, uh, himself being a detective inspector. Uh, watch this space if you're involved in fraudulent activity or indeed were using the services of Icebooth. And again, isn't it, doesn't it go to show how uh, professional they are and in many different aspects? They are, you know, very well versed in how to do it and get everything off you, including the one-time code. Even if you check the bank, even if you check the number, even if you check the link and everything, it will look like a legitimate bank. But you just never know. You just never know anymore. You really don't. Tens of millions of fraudulent card, uh, car calls made using this technology uh, right across the world. Apparently 40% of it was in the States and 35% of it was in the UK alone and the rest across all other European and world countries. We're talking about billions and billions a year. Text 0868 back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. On Don Hell, this Duncettle roundabout farce is yet more proof that this government can get nothing right ever. Duncettle, oh, nervous drivers are finding it very difficult, Neil, especially when expert bullies never make a mistake. Drivers are ready to honk and get outraged at any moment if someone tries to change lanes. Calm down. You know it, it makes a difference. Make allowances for whoever makes a very understandable mistake at a brand new traffic system route, please. People are in the correct lanes um, and do follow signs, but instinct kicks in while driving and they think they're going the wrong way. This is a very simple to understand, but not for road rage maniacs who just don't get it, says Noel with regards to the argy-bargy carry-on down in Dunkett hell. Um, with regards to students celebrating Christmas today in various pubs, primarily Southside pubs I believe, although I'm open to correction on that. I saw some young fellas at the bus stop in Grange this morning at 8am wearing their Christmas jumpers 
and they actually smiled. I'm delighted for them. And yes, I was jealous. Somebody else says there are worse things in life. They'll all be in bed early tonight. Well, that's the only thing, that they will stay safe and look after each other because as I was saying earlier on, they're young, they party, they want to socialise, they were denied enough. As long as they behave and don't hassle other people, I'd be inclined to lave them off. Let those of us without sin cast the first stone. Uh, my name is Alan, and today is the day I fear the most every year, living on the Pollard Off Road in Balafihan. College Christmas Day is another joke, and we have to put up with kids, and yes, I call them kids, falling around the roads and falling into our gardens. It's a day where I have to ring into work to protect my property. I'm a truck driver by trade, uh, you see, and I can't even go out to earn a wage to put bread on the table because... For my family, because of this day, I must stay at home. I had a beautiful champagne-coloured car last year. I loved it, uh, but I got a new one last year. Twice in the space of an hour, students got sick on the bonnet of it. This year, I was sure uh, to move my car to my brother's up the hill for the day, as I know what's coming. I don't blame the pub, as it's not their fault. They're just trying to earn a living wage and there's never any trouble from it. It's the students' union at UCC I blame for promoting what I call is a mass distraction of my community and surrounding areas. I will be curtain twitching for the day, as I've been up since six this morning when the queues started. I feel like boarding up the windows for safety, except it would only attract them to the house. Can't come on. I'm standing watch over what unfolds throughout the day. Thank you, says Alan. Well, do please stay in touch with me and let me know how the day goes, Alan, because we'd love to hear... Uh, if there are any updates and hopefully you'll come back and say that everything is all right. I uh, just wanted to text in advance about the queues of students that say the Harp Bar in Balafihan. I can see on Twitter you've already posted asking if this should go ahead. Last year you were doing the same, but blaming COVID. It's always negativity surrounding the students, isn't it? Please don't allow the old cranks on air to bash the students as always. It's becoming boring now, says Alan and Carrick Tool. Uh, so lovely to hear Neil talking positively about the students. I have two there. And I hope that they have an absolute blast of a day. I'd say one of them only needs to be topped up after winning a rugby match with MTU to get them through to the All-Ireland final. There's enough sad times and sad things in life. I really do hope, I really do hope there isn't much airtime given to anti-students today. Morning on the last student night out, there was mayhem on the Bandon Road up by Lennox's. They were breaking car mirrors and I saw it with my own eyes. I hope that by tomorrow there'll be no stories like the ones that were out last exams night. But watch this space. And if they're drinking now, Neil, what will the news on them be by tomorrow morning? Thanks, says Kathleen. Well, we will just have to wait and see uh, what develops on that one. On the World Cup, and chatting earlier on with the Cork girl who spent 10 years in Qatar. I'm glad that girl is doing so well in Qatar, but it sounds to me uh, that women's, women's citizens are second class. And I would not feel right with that, says Anthony. You're all hypocrites. You keep letting the likes of Egypt off the hook. Their leaders were special guests at the court, at the tournament. You just cherry-pick countries to criticise. Uh, I have been over to half the countries. I have been to over half the countries in the world. I went to Dubai for the first time in March this year. I've been back two more times since. And I spent 30 days in total there since March. It's the most amazing place I've ever been. Uh, and I agree completely with everything Kate had to say. You need to go and experience it for yourself, as it's very misconceived here in Ireland, apart from how expensive it is, of course. Somebody else finally is suggesting that I'm spouting crap yet again. A gay couple walking down the streets of Cork hugging and kissing won't be arrested. 
They'd be kicked to death by the little scumbags before they got to the end of the street. And you know it. Also, don't talk about women's rights when we're still digging up the bodies of women in holy places whose only sin was to have sex. Qatar has major issues, but you're living in a shaky greenhouse surrounded by lots of stones, Neil. I know you're trying to be controversial, controversial, even, but look at our history. It's hardly a shining light in inequality. Good points. Good points. Well made. Thank you for it. I think we all live and all should live in shaky greenhouses surrounded by lots of stones. Because again, uh, you know, we need to look at ourselves before we criticize others. Uh, give those texts coming, incidentally. Text 0868104106. To the phone lines we go. Jared, good morning. Good morning, Nick. Now, um, with regards to uh, the World Cup, uh, where do we begin? Uh, did you have points of Did you have a point of view on Roy? Was it Roy Keane? I, I did indeed. I, I can't help remembering, but Roy walked out of the World Cup in Japan at protest of poor conditions for Irish players. But he's now in Qatar as a paid professional, talking about the um, human rights being abused, but. He's not walking out of Qatar okay. at all. Okay, interesting he's point. You're, he's you're, getting paid for it, and that seems... Well, are, are you saying words to the effect, then, that if Roy Keane thinks that the World Cup shouldn't be in Qatar, he shouldn't be there either? Well, he really needs to explain why he could walk out of one World Cup in protest and go to another World Cup and not protest. Because they're not like you know, with like, Jared. Talking, no. talking on air about it and complaining doesn't mean much for him. I know, but you I, know, do, I, I don't want to sure refight the entire Saipan oh. saga again now. But oh, the, I don't either. Yeah, but bear, bear in mind that he was trying to uh, represent the players uh, who we know of the conditions there, we know of the training oh, facilities yeah, I and everything. I understand like, all that. You know, yeah, but yeah. the other point I'll make was Qatar was awarded the World Cup in 2010. You know, players and commentators, the football teams, their managers... They've had 12 years to decide on what their policy is going to be about human rights in Qatar. And they didn't do anything until suddenly the cameras of the world are on them in Qatar and suddenly they're all for supporting human rights. But sure, every, every single soccer league in every country in the four corners of the world is ultimately connected back to FIFA. They could hardly turn around and tell, tell FIFA that they weren't going to the World Cup. FIFA need every team at the World Cup the World Cup teams don't actually need FIFA as much as FIFA need them. And there are a lot of things. They, for example, they could refuse to take part in post-match interviews in protest. You saw the German be- team putting their hands over their mouths for the group's uh, the team photograph. <sighs> okay, that was a gesture. But that's what it was, a gesture. And they get publicity for it and then they continue happily saying, will they take part in post-match interviews? Yeah, I yes, know they, they will. will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all the protests about gay rights in Russia during, before and during the um, the Sachi Winter Olympics. But as soon as those games were over, it was all forgotten about. Yeah, gay but the, that world, that, that, the only reason I know this or any little bit about it is I'm watching the the, doc, the three part documentary on Netflix. Are you watching it? Where this character Jack Warner down in the Caribbean was given ten million by the Russians for his vote for the Russian World Cup. I don't know if the same happened in Qatar, but one thing's for sure, it may be cleaned up now, but FIFA was rotten to the core. Well, you only have to look at um, David Beckham being an ambassador for Qatar. You Big know, money there, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Nobody is actually talking about Victoria Beckham and his wife. Nobody has asked her what she thinks about David being there. 
Do you, no, so there are a lot so, of questions that okay, can be all right. So, but I suppose Roy Keane is entitled to go to work, isn't he? That's his job. Well, yes, he is. And I, I, yes, he is. I, I accept that. You know, but you know, you have to, you have to look up how people have behaved themselves in the past. Okay, let me, well, yeah, Saipan again. That's never going to go away. We're going to be always dogged by that. <laughs> T- tell me this. You also wanted to make a point with regards to uh, the day that's in it today, which is Students' uh, Alternative Christmas Day. Yes, that's right. I suppose if I was younger, I would have been critical of them, but the older I get, the more I remember how stupid I was. And yeah, and, and all of us should look at it through those eyes. I mean, if I was much younger, I probably would be DJing at that gig, you know? So... Like, yeah. like that's, and, that's what students do. And there's a point to be made now. The Christmas exams for many students now are actually part of the assessment for their results. So they are in the, under more pressure at Christmas in terms of studying and doing exams than we ourselves would have been. So are you, okay, our, with, are you okay with queuing outside the pubs at eight in the morning and drinking a party? That's a little bit early, right, to be fair. Well, maybe not for you, but you would protect their rights to do it. Well, you know, accused, it's a bit early in the morning, so it's, I'm not quite, maybe they're coming home from parties the night before. Who knows? Hold, hold on there I'm if you want. Sure. I just want to go back to issues surrounding the World Cup. Cormac, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Cormac? Okay, he's Hello? right there. Hello? There you are, Hello, Cormac. Guys. Did you want to pick up on, on Qatar or indeed Roy Keane criticising Qatar but still going there to work? Yeah, like he's, he's he's he has rights. Like he, it's his job. I'm a I'm a farmer. Like I'm here trying to buy a jersey cow here now, and uh, and like it's his job. I hope you're successful buying the cow. Oh, thanks, thanks very much. Are you in a bidding war with someone? Uh, no, no, no. I uh, I kind of won the bid, but I'm just try I'll try uh, get the price down a bit there. <laughs> Angle a bit more, Cormac. I let you get to back yeah. into that in a second. So Roy Keane's entitled to make a living, but it, but I think that maybe Jared might be saying that it's hypocritical to to uh, criticise the country, but yet be there earning a living. Yeah, he, like criticising it, I wouldn't call it criticising. Like, but like he he has he has rights to talk. Like it's his job. He's been he's been paid for this for years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you fan of soccer? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too interested in it. I know, but, but it'd be a lot it. more interesting if Ireland were at the World Cup, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. Unfortunately, no, we're not. Unfortunately. All right. Okay. Well, I'll let you get back to the bidding, and I'll let you get back to picking up the Jersey cow. It's his entitlement. It's his job, and he's entitled to make a living. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six on that, and we're back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Yeah, you're right. I probably did need reminding on this. And I have been. The whole Saipan thing and Roy being at the World Cup, but yet criticizing Qatar. You're entitled to the make your points of view. Roy was, was, was being paid by the FAI in Saipan, but came home despite thousands wanting him to stay. Uh, another one. John says, Neil, Roy Keane was sent home from Saipan for raising the issues uh, with Mick McCarthy. Mick McCarthy sent him home. He did not walk away. And in capitals, Ginny says, he did not walk out. He was sent home by Mick McCarthy and there are more like that. When Arda went to the Italia 90 World Cup, it was still illegal to be gay in Ireland. 
Wow, well said, Paddy. When you put it in that kind of perspective, it was a year after, wasn't it? Was it like, was it 91 that we decriminalized homosexuality? When Ireland went to the Italia World Cup, 1990, it was still illegal to be gay in Ireland. Uh, I don't remember any protests then, says Pat. I love you guys and the way you think. Thank you for that. Text 0868 104 106. Talking to numbers. um, Yeah, okay, I'll I'll come back to that. I'll I'll take call and say, John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, uh, thank you. You are amongst the texters reminding that Keane never walked out. Yeah, look, I, I think he's been labelled unfairly that, you know, he he came away from Saipan. He was sent to him um, for raising the issue, so I don't see that he's doing anything different this time out in Qatar. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're just people are commenting on the fact that he's saying that the World Cup shouldn't be in Qatar because of human rights issues, how they treat gay people, how women's rights... So and and the question was, well, why are you there yourself then, if 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 you think it shouldn't be there? Well, look, I suppose he's entitled to his opinions, and at least he's out there raising them and, and trying to do something about them. It's a bit like Germany last night covering their mouths when the, the armband was taken off them. You know, they're trying to do something about it. So, and yes, they've had twelve years to to raise the issues, and some of the issues were raised. And um, Steve only told them the day before the tournament started that they wouldn't be allowed to wear the armband. That they're just uh, yeah, I know, well, I know, I know that. I mean, you could also say that teams might have said we won't play in Qatar, and you might have said also that television companies might have said we are not sending camera crews and we are not going to broadcast the matches for Qatar. But nobody did any of that, and mostly, most the most biggest reason for that is money. Yeah, hundred percent. And at the end of the day, look, they're professionals and they have to earn their living as well. So they are doing something about it. They're not just standing idly by. Um, is it a bit maybe? Contradictory that they are out there playing, possibly, but look, the, the show must go on, but at least people are trying to, to highlight what's going on. Okay, you know? alright. You watching it? Uh, I am, yeah. yeah, yeah. How yeah. much of it? The hurling. Uh, not a lot, to be honest with you. I prefer the hurling. More exciting. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I mean, even, even yeah. seven Spanish goals got boring, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, look, trying in under... 8s or 10s or 12s hurling match there uh, and you have great excitement and you know what I mean but the soccer can be a bit uh, laborious and, and, I agree and with you there uh, you can't bet a good Maybe hurling match alright thanks Joe sure, yeah. take care thanks a minute take right. keep those texts coming text 0868104106 the my chosen or our chosen keen clip this morning from his ponder to yesterday involves uh, showing again that he's not afraid to go after his adopted country and their fans. He lives in the UK now, of course, but still has incredibly close links with Cork and what have you. Uh, but there was uh, apparently the story of um, a player. Can you just explain this to me, if you don't mind, rather than me reading out all of this stuff? Just give me the just give me the complete and utter heads up. It was a player who was born in one country and plays for another, wasn't it? What was his, what was his background? Okay, I don't have any mic there, so I'll do it myself. It's not working. So this was a chap who has a Nigerian dad and a German mother and grew up in England, uh, plays for Bayern Munich, but chose Germany as his national side. And then when the ITV pundit host uh, questioned whether the young midfielder should have chosen England instead, by all accounts, Keane had this to say. Yeah, but the media, somebody asked you a question just obviously, yeah. I think, just to have a, have a bit of a joke with him. But obviously, he's a kid, he's learned his trade. I'm not a place to be learning, you know, mm. he's playing regularly. But it's, again, Riley made a point, it's nice to see England get a bit of taste of raw medicine. You know, they took players, <laughs> Rice, Grealish, yeah. don't get me started on that. But when players, right, make, right. When Sorry, players right. make that decision, <laughs> having said that, it's not easy. Yeah. You have to respect yeah. it, of course, that's what they want to do. But obviously a wonderful talent, there's still potential, and we're all looking forward to watching it. All right. <laughs> 
England get a taste of their own medicine he said there was another lovely clip there recently the Clare family where somebody asked uh, Roy a question about you know what he loved most about the about World Cup 94 the highlight of my career in terms of World Cups obviously was 94 but I was going to the water parks in Florida in between the games it was brilliant well great on rides yeah it's, uh, wet and wild <laughs> what about the water parks <laughs> Wet and wild water park. Uh, wet and wild. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, we get days off. We, we get plenty with Ireland. We'd be straight down to the water park. Brilliant. Uh, Honestly. Plenty of days off for Ireland. Wet and wild. Don't you make smutty jokes to me, he was saying. Anyway, oh, listen, talking about people who are internationally known and, and loved. Billy Connolly is 80 today. And I have all my life been a huge, huge fan. I recently watched a superb documentary, like a six or eight part documentary on Billy Connolly, the world through Billy Connolly's eyes and different aspects of his life. It was fantastic. It was only made last year. Uh, But um, he's 80 years old. And I thought that the best way to pay tribute to such a great man was to listen uh, to such a great man. I I used to be a folk singer, but uh, I was dreadful. (laughs) I had a voice like a goose farting in the fog. And it doesn't make you attractive to women at all. <laughs> Funny enough, I was talking to Robbie Coltrane about this a wee while ago. We did a programme recently, me and Mr Coltrane. And uh, we were talking about the way real people, you know what I was talking about, all that. And uh, the way real people hear it all. go to parties. Man, shut up. <laughs> See, now I loved that. I used to go to parties and listen to these men singing. For years, I didn't know it was English. I thought it was some weird Scottish language. I went round the music shops of Glasgow trying to find the words. Cheerwell, how does it go? Uh, see, well, it's a uh, it goes a head of hall. Head of sheety ball. No, I don't know that one. So. And they weren't like London kind of showbiz parties. You get a huge carry out first, you get a dozen beers and a half bottle of whiskey. Right. So you better get some Bacardi, there might be women there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then with this carry-out bag, you've seen these carry-out bags. I know they're sort of, well, I don't know if they've got them in England now. They certainly didn't. They used to have them. It's a carrier bag with a brewery on the side there. And off you go, looking for a party. <laughs> Sit down, son, give us a song. Here And there's another thing about Scotsmen. They always sing about being far away from Scotland when they're still there. <laughs> Though I'm far across the sea. <laughs> no, you're not. You shut your face. It's the only song your father knows right through. Be quiet. <laughs> One of the broadcastable clips of the great Billy Connolly, who's eight years old today. Happy birthday, Billy. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. All right, it's all kicking off here, lads, with regards to Roy Keane and Qatar. I also see on Facebook, my Facebook and Twitter pages are also lit up with comments from people as to whether he shouldn't or shouldn't be there. Uh, he's there to do a job for a TV channel that he regularly works for, not a once-off big payment from the hosts, which is interesting, actually, because first reports were that uh, the Beckham's contract with, with Qatar was like £150 million. Pounds. Uh, but apparently it's more accurately being reported that he'll actually be paid around £12 million pounds a year for the first three years with an option to extend. That would mean £36 million for the next three years for Beckham as an ambassador for Qatar. Surely that should be take it. That should be the, the, the number and the figure and um, the actual criticism uh, of Beckham and his relationship with Qatar. But anyway, John, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm good. Um, you, are, are, you, are you being kind of sarcastic that Roy can do no wrong or do you really believe it? No, I think at this stage, you know, like, I mean, the ship has sailed. I think, I mean, that you didn't to criticise Roy before. Years ago, in your mother's time, God rest on her mind, there was pictures of the second half up on every wall. There still are there, in a lot of houses, I'd say. Yeah, there is, and a red light. So I, I reckon we reinstate that, but instead of the second half, we put pictures of Roy up there because obviously he can do no wrong. This is the same guy. The sacred heart in houses, right? And then either either Dev or Michael Collins, depending on your house and your home. That's right, yeah. But the the thing about it, look, if you want to make the ultimate statement, right, and criticise what's happening in Qatar, he should have said it publicly, right? I was offered the gig. It was handy money, right? But I'm not going in solidarity with A, B and C. But But he has a contract with, I'm quite sure he has a contract with TV channels. Um, Well, I mean, if, if, if... if he felt that strongly on a principle, like, I mean, he had an opt-out there on that. This is the same guy who wears the poppy as well. Uh, he's no James McLean. He wears the poppy to fit in on British television the way he wants to draw any attention to himself. This is the same guy who said, before he ever started the punditry, right, on TV, before he saw the big check nail, right, he was asked about that, would you ever consider doing punditry on soccer? And he said he'd rather slit his wrist. But, but, he's, he but, he, check, he yeah, but he's entitled to change his mind. He might have found well, doing very little well, well, boring. Well, I'll finish on this. Like, no, but don't, I, don't finish I, on it yet, because if he's on a television channel in the UK and he's not wearing the poppy and everybody else is, there'd be war, wouldn't there? But you know, again, get it down to principle. If you have a principle, you stand by it. Uh, Leon Martin says, wore look, the poppy last, wasn't it, last week? I know it was kind of a badge with the poppy and the shambuck Yeah, there was a kind of the shambuck and yeah, he was again trying to, say, trying to be all things to everyone again. But look, as it is, I, I tried once upon a time to talk about both sides of my mouth and all I ended up doing was hurting my face. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> uh, right, thank you, Neil. All right, take care. I don't, but do you, uh, just before you go, you do yeah. know that an awful lot of Irishmen um, fought in the First World War. Um, we were part of the British Empire then, and they were overseas fighting to put food on the table in Ireland. You, you do know yeah. that. I do indeed, yeah, but you're also, but by honouring the poppy, you're also honouring the Palatine Regiment who murdered in cold blood 13 people on Bloody Sunday. Just think about that. All right, okay. Thanks and welcome. Get involved. If you didn't go over there, no one would have heard him 
so hands up to Roy. He always stands up for his beliefs. Well, this is that he did come out and say that it shouldn't be there in Qatar. And he spoke about human rights and he spoke about, um, you know, rights of gay people and the rights of women. Point being that if he wasn't there, we wouldn't have heard him. Uh, it's hilarious people saying he's a hypocrite. If everyone opposed to it uh, and sat quietly at home while everyone who ignores the corruption and atrocities goes, do you think the opinion would be balanced? Uh, the issue is FIFA and the Qatari government. Direct your angers towards them, not those the likes of Roy Keane who highlighted. Politics and football have always been and will always be linked. To think not is to be uneducated. Uh, where was he since the World Cup was awarded to Qatar? He said nothing until now. Like all other journalists, he then goes over and takes the Qatari money for his work there. Hypocrisy at its finest. So he didn't take Qatari money. Beckham is taking the Qatari money. Keen is paid by by ITV. He's not taken their money. He's paid by ITV, yeah, and he has been for the last few World Cups now. Isn't it better to have someone there speaking out against it rather than nobody saying anything at all? Keep it coming. Text 0868104106. Right now it's 11 in the morning. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. Still to come this hour, a little bit of housekeeping. It's day four of our Diamond Dilemma giveaway with Michelle the Jewelers on Patrick's we have a 200 euro voucher to give away to be spent in Michelle the Jewelers on yourself or a loved one this Christmas time. Do whatever you wish. And they've been there for 60 years. Uh, bespoke jewellery for any occasion and certainly uh, for Christmas time. So good morning to Tim Keane and all of the staff at Michelle the Jewelers. A 200 euro voucher will play Diamond Dilemma with the diamond suit from the deck of cards. Whoever gets the highest diamond wins 200 euro to spending in uh, Michelle the jeweler. So that's just before midday today. As well as that, another lash of guests for our guesses for our five star giveaway. This is a ten thousand euro prize. We're in week three, uh, coming near the end of week three now. Uh, so we have three voices identified. Two remain unidentified. Uh, no more clues for now. But you never know what next week might be, give, bring. I've given quite an amount of. Clues already. We do know of three of the voices. We know of Angela Lansbury, Laura Whitmore and Niall Horan. But there are two outstanding at this stage. People are asking, would I share the five voices on social media? I don't see why not. We could always put a clip of the five voices up online if people want to hear them. But here they are. I love Cork. Right. FM. Okay, so we'll open the phone lines for that in about uh, 10, 15 minutes time. And also, if I get around to it, and I hope I do, I'll start on the emails for our Christmas hamper giveaways in association with the paddybox.com. We are shipping Christmas hampers full of great, great goodies. Some of them are cork goodies to the four corners of the world. You need to tell us who's overseas that won't be home for Christmas that would like one of our Paddy Box Christmas hampers and we'll get it sorted if you're lucky enough to win one of them. So email neil at redfm.ie. Tell us about your loved ones overseas or indeed if you're listening overseas, get in touch as well. Tell us about yourself, where you are, why you're there, how you're getting on. Neil at redfm.ie. And I'll start on those emails, hopefully, at some stage this morning. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, on, um, I know we were talking about the World Cup and then we were talking about uh, Roy Keane being there, criticising Qatar, but still being there. And then it moved on to uh, whether or not the likes of Roy Keane or Michael Martin should wear the poppy. Yeah. Okay. Well, well they take issue with that fellow down there underneath John O'Donovan. John O'Donovan, yeah. Yeah. We found him and he's three brothers in the war. First of all. Wow. Wow. He, he had a brother killed, first he had abandoned camp, first July 1916. Okay? Your so, uncle, is it? Your uncle, yeah. And the Battle of the so, Somme, did you say? Battle of the Somme, yeah. My God. 20 years of age. 20 year old. The Battle of the Somme so was brutal. 
How many men attend? No, I mean, you were, are, you, are you talking about one particular meeting in Cork? Well, all over the country, but this one, this one was in Cork now, right? Don't be in the city hall, the old Cork market. And did many Cork men enlist? Okay. All right. That was just one meeting. There was others enlisted at different yeah. times, though. What it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But was it, at that, was it at that meeting that your dad and his brothers enlisted? That's right. You mean, they would think that thing that they were having they had no money, they would go for good. My family, my family had plenty of money. We were court builders and court makers and all this, you know? Why did he go then? He go for the, to get home room for Ireland, to get Ireland freed. Right. And did your dad and return from the, did your dad return from the First World War? He did. And he joined the Irish Army. Did he talk about it? He took the other side. Did he talk? That's right, he was. Yeah, I think he was in Abyssinia at the time, wasn't he? But when your dad came back came back, did he talk about the Battle of the Somme? Was he at the Somme? He was at the Somme, but he was shot. Did it affect him for the rest of his life? He did. He was looked after, though. He what? Shanakeel, he was looked after. Right. In Shanakeel Hospital. Hospital, Mount Desert. He's one private doctor. But this these people, they have the clue what's happening. They learned about that they were serving and all the things that they... Well, I think it's quite entitled to, to do what he wants. Yeah, he's entitled to what? Go to Qatar or wear the poppy, is it? Wear the poppy. Maybe do what he wants. Did you, did you hear the broadcast the other day from the FIFA? The head of FIFA. I heard a few different ones. Which one are you where he was saying that we all need to get to behind? Give me, to me, to me an interview. Yeah. He said, we can't talk about it. Mm. Europe can't talk. America can't, can't talk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you look... Yeah. It should be respected. The memory should be respected. And not like the the likes of John Lear going on. You don't believe that... He says, yeah, you don't believe that any of the men who went to fight went because they didn't have a job that paid well and that they would be able to support their families in Cork by going to war. They said to me, they went to war to get rid of freed. Right. That's all they wanted. Okay. Okay. Did your dad live long afterwards? He lived in 1966. 
How old was he? Seventy-four years of age. Same age as yourself now, I think, is that? Yeah. Right. And did he get medals or anything like that? He did. I won them here. If you said someone in England, well, we should talk away, you know. Sorry, it's not a great phone line, but does the medal represent the Battle of the Somme? No, it's the medal I know, the service medal. Service medal, yeah. You're proud of it? Well, every 11th November. And it must hurt you then and upset you when people criticise anybody here that wears the poppy, does it? I need to tell you, I tell you, only child, they were down in Grand Parade with Pierre Liam and with the poppy on me, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We joined Pierre Liam for a while. What happens now if people wear the, do people wear the Easter lily anymore? There was a time when you'd, um, you'd be arrested for wearing one of those. Is it okay to wear the Easter lily now if it's okay to wear the poppy? Yeah, I know. Two different wars. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Listen, lovely chatting with you, John. Thank you for that. For the memory. They went out to Free Ireland. That's what they went. And we should remember that, front and centre. Yeah, okay. okay. Thanks, okay. Frank. Look. No, thank you. Thanks, John. Mind yourself. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. All of the stories earlier this morning about banking fraud in relation to the banking fraud. Why are the banks left off the hook time after time uh, when their bank... Um, has been robbed. It's the banks that forced us online in the first place. Even if you refuse to go online, they make it impossible to bank without it. If a customer has been with a bank since before online banking began and the bank then forces the customer online and the customer's money is stolen from within the bank, surely the customer can be taken off the hook for a failure of the bank security system. But the banks always win. The customer loses as always, says Dan who thinks that um, it's the bank should be culpable every single time there's been a fraudulent robbing of somebody's bank account by one of these online fraudsters I was telling you about this morning. All this fraud going on, and yet our government wants us to get rid of cash and all of our money and go online. I hope the Irish people won't let this happen in the future. One click of a mouse and every penny could be deleted. Well, taken. Uh, And who's to say that the government won't freeze your accounts if they don't like something you did, like, say, happened with the truckers in Canada? Cash is king and always will be, says Mark Anthony Lane. And speaking of lanes, Dunket Hell, I drove through the new road net network last night. No problem, says Mike. What time was it at, though, I wonder? People are deliberately driving on the new Dublin roadside through the tunnel, which is quicker, and then switching the left lane to go to Little Island or the N25 instead of always staying in their correct lanes. I see it every morning, says Paul. Um, And Claire, actually, here in the office in this show, says she's noticed it as well, going northbound through the tunnel. They fly up the right lane, clearly marked M8, so they can skip the queue for Little Island, and they duck in and out all of the time. So a lot of it, people seem to believe, is down to driver behaviour. And then lots then on the students who are partying today, November 24th. You're like a broken record, uh, they say, with the students on their Christmas Day. I don't know, is the broken record good or bad? Um, Tell Alan it was CIT who started the students' Christmas party. UCC saw how much fun they were having and decided to join in on their celebration. That's how all this began. Keep them coming. Uh, Back to the phone lines we go. Line one. Sean, thanks for holding. Good morning. 
Neil, how's it going, boy? I'm good. Have you been to uh, the Middle East? Have you been to Qatar? Yeah, I've, I've been in Qatar, you know, in Doha there a few times. I was uh, flying, I suppose, from uh, from Dublin to the Qatar Airlines, fly from Dublin every day. Right. And I stopped, I had a, they gave a kind of a stop over there. So I stopped a few nights in Doha, just had a look around. Okay, what did you think there. of it? What was your experience? I like it's very, very futuristic and very modern, very high-tech, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, wouldn't be wouldn't be a fan of of the culture and the, the way of life out there. I would did, never so what, what there. Did, so what did you observe culture wise that you wouldn't be a fan of? I suppose like just walking down inside and shopping malls now and stuff like we just say a family, uh, um, a Qatari family walking down a shopping mall. Uh, husband walking away his, uh, the wife maybe three or four steps behind, and then maybe three or four steps behind that again. Then you'd have like. A nanny, which would be like a, a government from Philippines or from the, from the Far East, uh, looking after the kids. They didn't even look back to see how the kids were doing. They were like just so, you know, engrossed in their way of life and their money and yeah, their, all yeah, the rest. Yeah. Stripping, but, of, stripping, but, with, stripping with jewellery and all that kind of stuff. Very wealthy you know? Qataris then, obviously, you're talking Very, about. very wealthy. Yeah, what I saw, like, you know. But, 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 but yeah, go on, I won't interrupt. Go on, go on, go on. And then you've got, like, you know, you've got the Qataris, like, you know, plenty money and all the rest. But then you've got the, you've got all the foreign workers working in there, like, doing the construction and stuff coming from India and uh, subcontinent, uh, Far East, and they're in there, like, and they're getting, you know, terrible conditions and human rights. And it's, it's terrible. I think it's, it's terrible. And the same, it's the same to us, you're like, in, in the Emirates is the same, no different than the Emirates. Been over there as well and seen the the stick the, the, the carrying over there. It does nothing for me. It didn't do anything for me. I would, yeah, I would, and uh, I, I know, I know that Dubai also has come in for criticism because of uh, yeah. migrant labour and you know what you see yeah. on the surface is what you're supposed yeah. to see. But if you yeah. get to look I've at I've seen it over in Dubai. I thought I thought in Dubai now in the in the big construction sites, uh, blazing hot temperatures. Guys out there walking under the sun. Walking twelve hour shifts, and then you see the then in the evening you see my watch come where I would stay, uh, and then you see in the uh, and they ask for twelve hour shift, a, a, a bus to come in, and they all onto the bus. The bus came in full of lads, you'll say, and then the them lads got back onto the bus and back out to the camp. They'd be staying outside the city, well outside the city in the camp, then, and uh, you know conditions wouldn't be great. And the wages and would the wages are, be shocking as well then for small. The money. wages are. I think uh, I heard someone saying there when I was out there. I was talking to an Irish person out there living there, and they were saying that a lot of the time what happens is uh, agencies, um, you know, advertise work and stuff in their countries for work in the Middle East or whatever, and they lure them over, and when they get in then and stuff, they, 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 they hold their passports, the, the, the conditions are terrible, mm. uh, the, the money is nothing like what they were promised, mm. and they were saying that they'd actually have been better off in their own country, even though they're on small money in their own country, can I just ask you about that experience in the shopping mall where you had the dad out in front and then a few steps behind yeah. the, the, his, his wife um, and then behind them again would be the kids with the nanny. Clearly very wealthy Qataris, but that might look alien to you and to me and our culture, but it's probably right. perfectly normal way of life uh, with regards to I'm their culture and the structure of their family and, and how yeah. they want yeah. family to be. Exactly, that's the way it is. The event, you know, you just have to accept. You go to another country, you have to accept the way the life, the way of life is, and stuff. And I didn't open my mouth to anybody. You know, I spoke to a couple of Irish people out there, but you don't, you don't, you, you go to the country, you accept the way it is, and you don't. You're not going to change anything. There's nothing going to change these these things, you know, anytime soon. 
Well, you Katie know, lived in Qatar for 10 years and I chatted with her by WhatsApp yeah. earlier on this morning. Yeah. And she says yeah. for people like her, she, I mean, she was saying that she'd come home to Ireland to dry out and recover. There'd be so much brunches and so much drinking involved and so much partying. But, but yet yeah. I put the point to her that a Qatari woman cannot walk into the same bar that she as an yeah. Irish woman can walk into. Yeah, I, what I've seen there is, well, it's out in, uh, I didn't go to a bar in, 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 in Qatar, no, but when I was in Dubai, uh, uh, in the Emirates, I went to, like, there's no bars in the streets like you see over here. Uh, bars would be, like, in hotels, uh, kind of clubs and stuff there. I went into a bar when I was staying in the hotel, dumped the bar, uh, and it was like, it was like, it was like, it was, like, it was actually like being in a gay club because uh, it was all Emirati uh, um, guys, you know, sitting around smoking as well. Was that, everyone was smoking in the bars. I thought about two or three or four years ago, probably. But uh, never seen like the women don't they don't go, they don't go to the bars that are loads, you know, mm. in and around the, mm. in and around the public places. And, and what like do that. you think but, finally uh, then of um, you know the the polit- the political side of this? This you know football and politics are intertwined. You know the you know the armbands and yeah. the oven. I, I don't know. I just think that you know like the, this whole thing was uh, was allocated to uh, to Qatar um, twelve years ago or whatever but it was, it was all wrong you saw the documentary on Netflix I watched as well uh, about FIFA and uh, the corruption that's going on, on with FIFA and stuff yeah. but uh, it shouldn't uh, I don't they shouldn't I don't think they should have gotten like, the, the weather number one as well the, the weather as well the temperatures out there were way too hot okay. I know they've got all these, these, yeah. these air conditioning these, yeah. all air conditioning all the but uh, um, no I I don't know uh, like uh, Qatar really isn't a really a football nation or another thing is a, a football nation I think a World Cup Well it started this morning because Roy Keane was on television saying that it shouldn't be in Qatar they should never got the World Cup and then people are pushing yeah. back to me saying well if that's the case why is he, why did he go he's been paid to be there I know I, I'm, a big, I'm a big Roy Keane fan but I don't think like, it's, it's why are they talking about it now like why, why do they wait all this time wait, why are they out there at the World Cup commenting on the World Cup playing in the World Cup and they're they're putting their hands up to their mouth and they're, they're taking photo shoots and they're right. wearing, wanting to wear wristbands. Why didn't they talk about this before the World Cup 10, five, ten years ago or whatever? Like, yeah, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The football, it's the World Cup, it's all about football. Let, the full, let them play the football. They're putting too much pressure on the uh, on the players. Good stuff. Let them play. Let them play the game. Okay, Neil. Get on with it. Take care, Sean. Thank you so much for that. Kenneth, good morning. Thanks for holding. Just back to Dunket Hell. How bad is it? Uh, it's not too bad. Like, it was just the speed wagon this morning. Or a bit of disgrace, like. Where are they based, the Gatso van? Is there more than one? Uh, there was two based. We'd say the first one was just over the Broad Hills, are coming from Dublin. And maybe 15 metres, 20 metres past the 60 zone, where it starts. And the second one then was just turn off before, we'd say the new turn off for Little Island. With maybe 50 to 60 metres before that turn off. But so sure, if nobody, if nobody can move down there, they're not going to catch anyone for speeding, surely. Yeah, but it's about half nine, quarter to ten in the morning. There's no traffic really around. Like, so everyone that was in front of me started breaking hard and I just seen the lights come on. I had the cruise control on, so it was no better. But was the first time trying to get people in the 100 zone or the 60 zone because it was parked in the 60 zone. Whereas the second one was just for money. Because like, that's not to do with safety, having two of them that close. Like, yeah, it's sure. about, and they were within like a, a kilometre of each other, were they? Yeah, if not closer. Like, yeah. Do you think? Do you think that it's? Sure. It, first, do you think it's dangerous? And secondly, do you wonder if it's dangerous? How it could be legal? Like exactly. Like it was definitely dangerous because if it was any bit heavier, 
and people are still doing their 100 kilometres an hour. Like, you're going to hit the brakes as hard as you can to try and get down to 60 because you're going to... I know, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, also, I'm also hearing that there wouldn't be as many problems in tailbacks. The criticism of drivers, apparently, jumping lanes and not being able to follow it or intentionally not following their lane. Is there any truth in any of that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Most people, when we say, when I'm coming up every morning, most people take the left lane towards the island and then jump into the right lane to go through the sun, that's like. Yeah. Save time, like. yeah, so l- up yeah. Or yeah. That, like. yeah, okay. All right, my man, thank you. Much obliged, Kenneth. Thanks for calling and thanks for listening. Okay, Ho- hold on a second. Let me get my act together here and see where I'm going. Uh, oh, here it is. Time for me to put on my game show hat. Good morning and welcome to Diamond's Dilemma with Michelle the Jewelers. We're taking two callers now, callers 9 and 10 on 0818-104-106. I have a... I don't have the full set of... I don't have the full deck of cards, but we knew that anyway, that I've never been playing with the full deck. But I have the diamonds from the deck of cards, right? Two callers will get on air. I'll give you an opportunity to pick a number between 1 and 13 because there's 13 diamonds in the deck of cards. Whoever gets the highest diamond... And remember, it's aces high now. Aces high. Whoever gets the highest diamond wins a 200 euro voucher uh, to be spent at Michelle the Jewelers on Patrick Street celebrating 60 years of business in Cork check them out this Christmas time so pick up the phone now 0818104106 for Diamond Dilemma it's very simple The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM our phone lines remain open after midday 0818104106 there's another dilemma at the back end of last week with the lady in Blackpool, you might recall it, and uh, we intervened on her behalf, having heard of her plight from a listener to this programme, and Paddy O'Brien, who advocates on behalf of the elderly, got in touch, and much happened as a consequence of that. Public health nurses on board, and what Paddy's organised meals on wheels to be delivered, and a big clean-up of the home, uh, and other aspects like that, and then many people got involved in the conversation yesterday. So Paddy O'Brien was back this morning, he said that Andrew Murphy from Granada uh, was good to his word. He arrived yesterday uh, to fix that lady's lock because she had been on to City Council as, and Paddy O'Brien was on to City Council. They're her landlords. It's an elderly woman living alone and her front door is wide open. But did they do anything about it at City Council in the days that passed? No, they didn't. Absolutely nothing. So anyway, Andrew arrived yesterday and he fixed the lady's lock and he also fixed her washing machine. Apparently Paddy turned his back one minute, next minute Andrew had the washing machine fixed as well. And that washing machine had not been working for over nine months. And on top of everything else, Andrew also took away a few, a good few bags of rubbish. So he went to fix the lock and he did an awful lot more besides. So well done and thank you to Andrew Murphy from Granada. That's the latest update. Others got involved in the conversation yesterday and uh, wanted to get the television sorted for her, get her television installed and everything. It's just sitting there brand new. Uh, that's going to be done and also wood firewood for as long as she wants it is going to be delivered and lots more besides so that's the latest update on that one and if there are more I will bring it to your attention as soon as it develops but good news there all round and her life will be a much more comfortable safe one going forward which is great meanwhile it is time for Diamond Dilemma with Michelle Jewellers on Patrick Street a 200 euro voucher to give away every day this week and we have two callers ready and willing first up Catherine in Ballady Hob good morning good morning how are you I'm well thank you and Frank's on Blarney Street morning to you Frank morning Neil okay let me pose the question Catherine if you were to win the 200 euro voucher is it for you or somebody else to go to Michelle the Jewellers for my beautiful mother Katrina why 
um, because she's currently minding my two kids at home while I'm on my little honeymoon away. <laughs> Are you on a honeymoon now? Of course I am. Well, we're on the way home from it, yeah. All right, where'd you go? We just went down to Kenmare to Sheen Falls for a few oh, nights. Oh, what a lovely posh hotel to spend a honeymoon. Did you enjoy it? We had a lovely time, thank you. All right, so Mammy did the babysitting while you were on honeymoon. She's a diamond herself, sure? right? <laughs> Frank's in Blarney Street. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. Oh, thanks. Follow that one. What would you do with it? I wouldn't get a choice, Neil. She's even picked the number. Oh, she's told you which number to pick in the deck of cards. Exactly. And the minute, if I'm lucky enough to win it, the minute it comes in the door, I won't even see it for dust. And listen, pal, isn't it great for a quiet life to do as you're told? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. 100%. I mean, I mean Joseph couldn't find... Um, a proper hotel for Mary and that's how silent night started <laughs> <laughs> you have the right philosophy of married life I think anyway Catherine for your mammy pick a number between 1 and 13 <laughs> we'll see how you get um, on number number 8 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 oh no what an awful start it couldn't have been the worst start the two, oh. the two of diamonds. Oh my God! <laughs> you couldn't have got a worse card. Oh no! Fingers crossed. We might be lucky. We might be lucky. I don't. Not if you got the two of diamonds. I'd say we're just going through the motions. But anyway, Frank, pick a number. One and third. We're not, we're not between one and twelve now. No, Neil. Do I actually have to pick a number? <laughs> we might as well just go through the choreography of it all. Come on. Right. Horsell said eleven. One has to be the eight. It could be the Joker, you know. Ah, yeah, right. Is there a diamond Joker? <laughs> yeah, he's presenting the programme. Ah! <laughs> Sorry, I'm going into a tunnel. I'm losing you. Oh. <laughs> the king oh, yeah, of... me, me, me credit will be gone. The king of diamonds. You win. Oh, Catherine. Why do I feel awful for poor old Catherine? I shouldn't. I'm delighted for you, Frank. Well done. Thanks a million, Neil. Catherine, I'm so sorry. No problem. Thanks but, anyway. But at least you got to go on honeymoon in Sheen Falls, where poor old Frank <laughs> didn't even get out of Blarney Street without permission. But anyway, thanks, Catherine. Take care. No problem. All right, hand it over, Frank. It's not yours. You know that. What's your wife's name? Absolutely. What's your wife? Is she there? Oh, Chef. Would she talk to me? Yeah, one second. Put her on. <laughs> jo- Joanne. Hiya. Well, play, fair play to you. You didn't really have to do much, but Frank got you a 200 euro voucher from Michelle. He said... Uh, but I picked the king. No, well, you, you ultimately did by picking the right number, so it technically is yours. But you have them well trained, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. It's the only way to have them. Like, do you give them a couple of pounds at the end of the week to go for a pint kind of thing, is it? Good God, no. Not that bad? No, not in the least. All right, well, listen, it's a 200 euro voucher for you. Go to Michelle the Jewellers and enjoy it. And congratulations to you and to Frank. 
Thank you very much. I appreciate you it. Buy, you, could buy a, so. you could buy a locket with a love heart on it, right? Open the love heart and put both of your photographs into it, maybe. What do you think? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far now, but <laughs> we'll see. All right, okay. You have your mind made up. I think you've whatever it is picked out already. Well done. Thanks, Joanne. Cheers. All right, thanks, Thanks Dan. to Frank as well and also to Catherine. And for the fifth and final time, we'll play Diamond Dilemma Tamara. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. And it's time for a five-star giveaway now. Phone lines are open, 0818-104-106. Let's see if we can get as many people on air as we can for quick guesses. Guess all five stars in the correct order. We know three of them already. Guess all five and you'll get €10,000 to spend in Sound Store at their Superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. If you guess one of the new voices right, then I'll give you a €100 voucher that you can spend in Soundstore. Get all five right, I'll give you €10,000. So the phone lines are open for that. These are the voices. I'm going to play them once and then when callers come on air, I won't have time to play them again. But these voices in the right order. I love Cork. Right. FM. We know three of them already, but I need all five. Get on the phone. 0818 We'll come back to calls in a few minutes' time. A lot of texts. Roy Keane wasn't sent home from Saipan for raising the issues by Mick McCarthy. He, he didn't walk away. He's still out there in Qatar raising issues says John <laughs> actually somebody says uh, Roy Keane seemingly is allowed to have an opinion yes unlike the priest in Kerry who is not allowed to have an opinion at all so say a minority I hear uh, Roy was being paid by the FAI in Saipan but came home despite thousands wanting him to stay forgive me now but I believe I remember television footage of Mick McCarthy on TV saying he sent Roy Keane home he sent him home my understanding, Roy was sent home. He didn't walk out and go home. And that's what I recall. If it broke my heart at the time the Kino came home, but it looked like things weren't right for him there. He's a man that stands up for his rights. I have so much admiration for him. Another thing is that he's kept his family totally out of the limelight. There isn't a word about them. And now he's a granddad. I love listening to him on the telly with his lovely Cork accent. We can claim him as ours, Neil, says Marie. And one or two more. Your contributor, Katie, said there are loads of bars in Qatar. If that is so, why did the Qatari royal family ban alcohol on the eve of the World Cup, says Paddy? That was the kiosks outside the uh, stadiums, wasn't it? That's why Budweiser were left with an awful lot of bud that they couldn't shift. Um, people need to shut up. Kino was using his position to bring focus to the problems in Qatar. If he weren't there, we wouldn't be hearing about it, says GP in Blarney. Um, text 0868104106 and we'll pick up on, on all of that uh, again in the morning. We'll have a little more opportunity to do so. But can I just say that I ran out of time over the past few days with regards to playing a song because Sean Wren was on to me and I promised that I would play an anniversary request from last Friday. I just didn't get around to it. And then earlier in the week, things got away from me as well. But to Sean and to Sue, who celebrated their 54th wedding anniversary out in sunny Tenerife recently, um, this is the song you asked for. Not sure I get it all on the air, but I'll do my very best. So happy anniversary to both of you. Remember when you weren't there When I didn't care For anyone but you I swear We've been through everything there is Can't imagine anything we've missed Can't imagine anything The two of us can't do 
Rogers through the years for Sean and Sue who celebrated their 54th wedding anniversary recently. A regular contributor to the program and I want to wish you well and apologize for the delay. It's typical of me but uh, I try and get things sorted in the end so I hope you're happy with that. That's your song. Neil's five star giveaway. With Sound Store. Celebrate the Black Friday event at their superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. Alrighty Margaret Ryan is on the Cork Tip Border. Morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. We're getting an unmerciful fall of rain here at the moment. Are you? Uh, don't be talking. I can't even see my garden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope they're, they're short showers, I hope. Short, heavy showers. Okay, give me all five then in the correct order. I'll give you ten grand. Okay, Neil. Number one is uh, Rory O'Neill, Penty Bliss. Number two, Angela Lensbury. Uh, number three, Kathleen Jenner. Number four, Laura Whitmore, and number five, Niall Horn. Well, apart from the three that we already know, unfortunately, I have to say no. Not a bother. Not today. Try again I keep soon. Trying all me. right, good luck to you up there, Margaret. Anne is in Mayfield. Anne, give me all five in the correct order. Hi, Neil. What do you think? 
Dermot Kennedy, Angela Lansbury, Mario Rosenstock, Laura Whitmore, and Niall Horan. Great guesses, but unfortunately not right. Those two still remain aloof. Thank you, Anne. Take care of yourself. Bye Cheers. Bye. Laura's Bye. in Bishopstown. Laura, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Okay. So we know of three, but in the correct order, all five for 10 grand. Um, Robbie Coltrane, Angela Lansbury, Boy George, Laura Whitmore, and Niall Horan. <laughs> be here next year. We'll be here next year at this rate. Thanks, Laura, but no sorry. Brown is in Granada. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, how are you? All five. Come on, do the right thing. Okay, James says this. Angela Lansbury, Kieran Kingston, Laura Whitmore, and Niall Horan. Same three are correct, obviously, but to the other two I'm afraid sorry about that okay thank you Brona thank you Laura thank you Anne thank you Margaret if I get a chance try for maybe three more if you can 0818 three more guesses ten grand you'll spend it in Sound Store at their new electrical superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton so 0818 just three quick ones just before I love you and leave you for today Frank or sorry yeah James I should say good morning Hi, How are you? We're talking earlier on about international police services bringing down a huge fraud group, a massive organisation that were taken out, engaging in online fraud and calling people, getting their bank details. Your thought on that? Well, it was covered a little bit earlier. Just aside before that, there was two speed vans at Dunkettle this morning yeah. at 10 o'clock. Yeah. They're not going to help the traffic flow. Are uh, you trying to get through it regularly? Is it a nightmare? Oh, I would pass through. Well, it, 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 it's confusing because it's, you don't have much time to change. Your lanes. You don't have advanced signage. You know what I got to do? I got to try it out and just see how bad yeah, it is. There. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah. Anyway, okay. just on the, on the banking thing, one of the men that wrote into you there covered what I thought. But somebody would need to do an audit on the banks to see what their system is like. To me, it's like the zoo with no cages. Because I don't think their systems are up current, up to date, or, or fit for purpose. Okay, no, the, but the question is, though, if you are fraudulently caught by an online scammer and the money comes out of your account by doing everything the way you thought you should have done it, even though you were talking to a crook, should the banks mm. pay you back? Well, that's what I would feel. I, I, I checked with my bank and asked them, could I put a situation in place where only a, a limited amount of money could be withdrawn from my account without authentication? And they said no. Now, you can put a limit on what you can take out of your account every day in cash. That's no problem. And if somebody requests a double authentication, that's okay. But they can, cannot do anything to, to protect your account. Yeah, but you do get double, double authentic, authentication even for a fraudster. But people give the fraudster the second code as well. Are the banks still culpable? Well, surely there should be a stronger authentication. But like you make the point, you give me a loan of a lawnmower. I get your lawnmower. I have it at home. Somebody comes in and steals the lawnmower. Do I have to give you another lawnmower? I believe the law of the land is the person that loses it is responsible for it. So you're saying I do have to replace your lawnmower? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay. You were in care of it. That okay. was it. Okay, It'll thanks for that. Right, we'll pick, pick right. it up in the morning. Bye. Thank you. Text 0868104106. You can always email neil at redfm.ie and we'll pick up the narrative and conversation again tomorrow. But just ahead of that, let me just have one more quick blush that this is the fullest and see how we go with it. You never know, 10 grand might go in a second or two. Five-star giveaway. With Sound Store, celebrate the Black Friday event at their superstore at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. Five voices in the correct order wins you €10,000. And yes, I think it is a good idea to put the five audio clips up on our social media platforms on Twitter and indeed on uh, Facebook. But meanwhile, back to the phone as we go. Maureen. Good morning. Okay, where are you calling from? 
Dublin Head. All right, give me five uh, voices in the correct order and make sure they're right. Go ahead. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to mention a man here, which I'm absolutely annoyed. Well, I can't hear you. Sorry, I can't hear you, Maureen. Just give me the guesses. Go ahead. Number one, Cordick Harrington. Number two, Angela Lansbury. Number three, Charlie Bird. Number four, Warren Littmore. And number five, Nile Horton. Apart from the three that we know... Not today, I'm afraid, but thanks all the same. John Long's in Carrigaline. Is that Long John back again? It is indeed. All right, okay. <laughs> go for it. Have another go. Pep uh, Guardiola, Angela Lansbury, David Norris, Laura Whitmore, Niall Horn. Not today, Long John. Try again tomorrow. No, brother, thanks. Take care. Gillian's in Ballancolic. Morning. Hi, how are you? I feel good for you, if you're asking me. I think you could do it. Okay. Go for it. Uh, number one, Stephen Ray. Number two, Angela Lansbury. Number three, Belinda Carlisle. Number four, Laura Whitmore. Number five, Niall Horan. Ah, you're letting me down, and I'm hoping for the best for you. Okay. Not today, Thank I'm you. afraid. Thanks. One final one, guys. Patrick's out in Grenada. Morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? All right, come on now. In the right order. Ten grand. Just give me one of the new voices right, and I'll give you a hundred euro voucher for Sandstore. Go ahead. Great. From the top, Moncrief. Angela Lansbury, Prince, or Whitmore, L. Horan. Not a bit of it. Not today. Good regards lovely, to you all. Lovely, lovely. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Gillian. Thank you, Long John. And thank you, Maureen. We'll open it up again in the morning. Five voices in the correct order wins you €10,000. God knows what you'll spend with it because it's a lot of money to spend in the shop. But you will spend it at the new electrical superstore that Soundstore have opened at Market Green Retail Park in Middleton. So good luck with that. We'll put it up on social media and you can listen to them even closer. And if nothing happens tomorrow... Another couple of hints perhaps next week. We'll see what we'll do. Anyway, lines will stay open on 0818104106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Tune in to the Neil Prendival Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.